It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class, now in session for EP223, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Santino Farah back with you, and a big episode lined up as per usual. Tons to talk about here on the big show, Santino. We'll tell the peoples, the classmates, what's coming up here. But uh, before we get into that, how's your... Tuesday afternoon going it's we're I think we're expecting snow here in in BC but uh and forget about that what uh, how was the weekend what else is going on in the life of Santino Fair yeah we don't want to talk about snow right now I'll, I'll, it'll make me sad um yeah no the uh the weekend was good uh, my mom was in town actually visiting oh. from the island so that was nice got a nice little visit in after where's mom on, live uh, on the island in uh, Duncan, BC, oh, yeah, generally. the home of Tyson Rowe, if That's I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah, the, um, maybe yeah, the, I, the biggest, the, the big hockey sticks there too, right? Yeah, home of the biggest hockey stick in the well, world. That's right. They're they're talking about uh, maybe making a bigger one somewhere else. I was watching the news the other night, too, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if the yeah. folks of yeah. Duncan will be. Too. I actually, I lived there for a year, oh. so uh, I got I was pretty familiar with it. Uh, by the end of my the big visit hockey there. stick or, or Duncan? Uh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, both, I oh, guess. Okay. How's <laughs> I Mama Farrah doing? She's doing good. Uh, yeah, she was, um, she's actually getting close to finishing. She's, she like uh, hopped back in school a couple years ago. So, and she's oh, really? at the tail end of it. Um, so she's, she was feeling pretty, the, the reason for the visit was she was feeling pretty worn down with work and school and taking care of my younger brother and stuff. So, came over for a visit with me and my older brother and uh yeah i tried to recharge your batteries a little bit Did, and then uh so you Sunday, were like were you cooking and cleaning for her and stuff no like she that? actually wanted to she was like i want to come over and cook dinner yeah, for you guys moms cannot be not be moms that's just yeah the way it was really funny i thought but uh yeah that was a really good visit um and then sunday literally did nothing and it was the best jen and i both decided on saturday i mean it was her idea she was like you want to just have a day where we do absolutely nothing tomorrow (laughs) i was like you bet i do so i played video games all day jen watched netflix all day and then we wrapped up the night with it with the new episode of the The last of us and then called it a night i haven't got into the last of us yet you're missing out, brother. I, I, you know, it's it's on the list. It's on the list. Uh, I I love a good just checkout Sunday myself. Oh. Um, woke up with uh, with the Riptide game in in the morning, which uh, you know we got our first taste of Sunday lacrosse, which is super nice. But you know there comes a point where I get a little squirrely if if I just do absolutely nothing all day like i feel like i need to do something danny's kind of that way too so doesn't mean i actually did anything but (laughs) i get that feeling like oh man what am i doing with my life here sort of thing so i woke up um monday you know feeling a little bit guilty from the weekend and 
I I went to the gym, you know, and I had like this memory popped up on my Facebook. You know, I get the the memories or whatever. So three, yeah. I get a memory from three years ago saying, you know, personal best on the stairmaster, and I had the the video of like the clock and how many flights I had done and how many calories I had burned. And I was like, new personal best. So this was three years ago, and I thought to myself, like, I need to to see where where I'm at here. So that was my my focus. My goal was to to go in there. And I'll tell you this: like the stairmaster to me, there's no harder piece of equipment <laughs> in the gym. Like I've done it all. I've tried it all. The stairmaster to me tops them all. So, anyways, I get on the thing, and of course, it's the one day I forget to bring the sweat towel. Oh. And for anyone that knows me, if anyone needs a, sn- a sweat towel, it's me. Like, I I sweat at the best of times and the worst of times. So, no sweat towel. So, anyways, I'm 10 minutes into this, and I am just leaking like a faucet, <laughs> you know. And, there, you know, I got this older Asian lady beside me, and she's kind of looking over at me, and I'm just, like, gasping and dripping. It was a mess. But I – so – it was 130 floors in 32 minutes was what, because I think I, this is a long story for, I don't even know why, but I think I had worked out the math in my head, what five flights of the crunch would work out to. And that's what I wanted to try and do when I was on the Stairmaster. So I think I worked it out to 129 floors. So it took me 32 minutes to, I made it to 30 minutes, Tino, and I could not go another second uh, made it a hundred floors. So I came, I I came up short, but I wasn't as far away from, you know, my, what was my personal best. Yeah. So I got something to shoot for That's the, the long story of, of the day. I didn't even give you a disc golf, uh, update. I've done that. Oh, you're back on the course. Oh no, I'm, uh, I've never left the course. I've never left. left. Uh, but didn't play doubles this weekend because the riptide game was on, which we're going to talk about here in quarter, Number one, uh, including our Stampede Stallions of the week. Uh, that's coming up here. Uh, quarter number two, Tino's checking out for quarter number two. Because, you know, classmates, Tino has just declared to me that he has prioritized his other podcast over top <laughs> of Lacrosse Classified. That is more important to him than, than being here for the interview in quarter two. I'm just kidding. Uh, schedules just don't line up here quite well enough for for all three of us, but I'm looking forward to this conversation with one producer, Donnie. Jonathan Donville back on the pod, and we had Donville on, I think, right after Orangeville had won the Minto Cup, and I want to say 2018, 2019? I can't remember. It was at the Langley Event Center. I know that much. Uh, I was there. I think it was 2018. Anyway, so we were we were still on on another network uh, at that point of the podcast. So it's been some quite some time since we talked to Jonathan Donville. Looking forward to that conversation. Quarter number two, Lax Glass Locks coming up in quarter number three, and uh, we might do something a little bit different this week with the PLL Championship Series coming up. Uh, but we're still in the thick of it with the NLL. 
Man, oh man, the parlay, Tino. One goal <laughs> off on every single one of the three games, whether it was an over or an under, it went the other way by one goal. On all three games, we were that close to going back-to-back, but no, we didn't. So we'll try and do better this week in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, of course, it's your favorite podcast game. Who you got? Week number 13 as we're across the halfway mark. Of the season, as uh, we head for the stretch drive here, man, it's going to get exciting. It's going to get heated. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And with that being said, uh, mid-season, you know, we we submitted our mid-season awards for the lacrosse flash, which uh, our boy Ty Merrill will crank out an article, which will be tomorrow, which will be a Thursday for uh, the listeners here. So check that out on Lacrosse Flash. But I figured we would just kind of go through it here quickly, Tino. Our votes for midseason awards here as we we round into week thirteen. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just go in in order of, of what we have them down here? I think so. So MVP, who do you got down? Give me your top three. Top I don't know three, if we need to I mean, justify I'm, it. Like I think it's pretty self-explanatory. So maybe we just give our kind of our top three votes. Yeah, fair enough. So I got Jake Withers in my top spot, and then uh, Delbs, Christian Delbianco, and Dane Smith to wrap it up. Okay, pretty close. I go one to three here. Courier, Dane Smith, Jake Withers. Uh, Goalie, who you got? Nick Rose, Delbianco, and Rylan Hartley. Okay, same three, but different order. Delbs, Rose, Hartley for me. Uh, offensive player, and there's been a little bit of discussion about this, Tino. Instead of just giving the MVP to the essentially the best offensive player in the league, we kind of need to like split these two things up. And there's been a little bit of chatter on on uh, on Twitter about it. You know, when's the last time a non-offensive player has won MVP? It wasn't Chugger. Chugger did do it as a goaltender, but Jeff Shatler. As a transition player with the Calgary Roughnecks, the last one transition player and MVP that year did 77 uh, in, in Roughneck Red. So that was pretty impressive. But it's been a while is the point since a non-offensive player has won MVP. And I think that if there's a year for it not to happen, this could be it. You with me? Yeah. No, I'm on board. I would I mean, like, I feel like I, I could rant about this for a long time, so I'm not going to because I don't want to eat up too much of the time. Yeah, you gotta, I just you gotta like... get to your other podcast. We don't want to. Wanna... <laughs> no, we got to get to our other votes here. <laughs> yeah. um, I just feel like giving it to the guy who has the most points is like the easy way out it's for lazy. a load. Yeah, exactly. It's the lazy pick. Yeah. I... Okay. Right, enough said. But let's. With that being said, top offensive player. These are the flash awards. Remember, who do you got? Uh, in order here, I got uh, Schreiber, Dane Smith, and Teat. Smith, Teat, Schreiber. For me, Tino, we are like uh, in sync here. Right wow, now. Yeah. Uh, defender. Defender, uh, Kyle Rubish, Brad Cree, Graham Hosick. Hosick, Rubish, Latrell Harris for me. Ooh. Uh, rookie. This is going to be an interesting race here. We were talking about this in our, our chat group. Uh, I think it was just last night. A lot of opinions out there uh, from some about who that you know they think the top rookie in the league is. It makes me again wonder whether these people are watching any of 
the other games <laughs> besides their home market. But anyways, uh, your your top rookies in the NLL at the midway mark here. Yeah, so I think the top two are, are always, it's always going to be these two guys. I feel like it just could be flipped. So I have uh, John Donville, good timing to have him on the podcast, uh, Jack Hanna, and then Dylan Robinson of the Bandits. In order, tit for tat there. That's who I got, Donnie, Hanna. D-Rob, all right, couple left here. Transition player of the year. This this is going to be a, a absolute horse race here and you know pun intended i suppose but man you could throw about eight different guys into the mix here transition player of the year shane simpson zach courier and mitch disnew oh i mean this is almost crazy i got disnew courier simpson wow we're on it breakout (laughs) player of the year this is where I think it, it could get a little a little wild. A few off the board picks here. Uh, I got Connor Fields, Alex Bouquet, and Blaze Reardon. Not bad, not bad. I got Shane Simpson, Ryan Tarafenko, oh, and Alexis Bouquet. Oh, the Bouquet pick. Yeah, look at that. All right, so there are our midseason uh, awards. Again, watch for the article coming out Lacrosse Flash on Thursday. Uh, it'll have the entire Flash Familia's votes in there tabulated with math and all sorts of different stuff to come up with uh, who we think is, is going to, well, I mean, it's midway mark. They don't give out awards at the midway mark. Why does that sound keep happening? Uh, you're going to hear it one more time. I th- I'm going to plug my mouse because I think that's it, too. Let's just get rid of that. A little behind the scenes action yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, who, who are we kidding? People know. People know what that sound is. Uh, the amount of people that probably just heard that sound and like started looking around for what the somebody's driving right now and they're like, "What did I just unplug?" Yeah, it was me. It was me. All right, uh, this is gonna be different now because now I actually have to use like the the weird mouse pad here. Let's get into week number 13, the week that was who we had. No, week 12. Excuse me. What am I talking about? We're going into week 13. It began on Friday, two Friday night games, both of them the games of the week, one down south of the border, one up here in the Great White North. 7 o'clock start from Vancouver, 14-9. The Calgary Roughnecks win this game in another game where Vancouver kind of held their own. They were in it. And then, I don't know, what do you say, Tino? The better team ends up pulling away here in the fourth quarter, a 4-1 fourth quarter, and they end up winning by five. But uh, I think the fans got their money's worth at Rogers Arena watching this one. Yeah, I was talking to a couple people that were there, and they were all saying, like, that was – probably the best game that they had been to uh, in terms of, you know, environment in the building and vibe in the building with how the team was playing to me. uh, This was in my opinion, like the perfect game for the warriors and for warriors fans, because this, I would say this was one of their more competitive bouts. Like they were, they were in this game for a really long time. They were pushing back. They were, very competitive in this game. They had guys step up. Adam Charlambides, I thought, had an incredible night. Finally, in my opinion, stepping into the role that Vancouver needs him to step into as like the go-to guy for the lefties. What's been the biggest difference, Tino, 
his Charlotte for is. me, it's his shot selection. Um, I mean, and I mean, like you were, it. he's looking for it. Well, like, I mean, you were, you were like screaming a couple weeks ago. Like, you were like yelling, like shoot the ball or whatever. And I think he might've heard you, but it's not only that he's getting these shots off now. It's man. Like I, I've watched, I've watched so much film on Charlene Beatty's from his junior career. Mm. And one of the, like one of his go-to moves was driving downhill and kind of shooting the ball over his head, almost like his stick was like a sledgehammer, you know, kind of right over top of his head and hammering it home. And I don't really think we've seen a ton of that in his pro career with the Warriors yet. I think we've seen mostly him use that outside shot where he's kind of on the run, where he's almost on his wrong side, trying to shoot across, across the goaltender's body. And he has like, that's not a bad shot, but you kind of have to pick your spots. And if that's the only shot that you really go with, then goalies are going to, and defenses are going to figure you out. I thought in this game on Friday night, he looked way more dynamic. I thought he was switching up his shot selection a ton and what he had like 14 loose balls on the night. Like he was so engaged. Now the next challenge is let's see this stretch for a few games. If you're going to be the guy on for the lefties, this has to be consistent. And this was a great first step. I thought, yeah, I like to take a lot, you know, and uh, I think you're bang on, on most of it. Delbs was exceptional in this game. <laughs> What did he have here? 50, like 52 saves 52 or something? saves. Aaron Bold uh, reemerges as, as a Vancouver Warrior as well as Walsh went on to the IR just prior to face-off and don't really know the extent to that, but it was good to see Boldy back and, and you know, held his own, played okay, gave him a, gave him a shot, and, and a casual 21 loose balls for Ray <laughs> Stupid. Unreal. Absolutely stupid. So Vancouver drops to one and nine. They are off to Saskatoon this weekend. So things don't get any easier for the Warriors, but uh, we shall see. Apparently Jimmy Quinlan doesn't like Vancouver. I, I saw says. that video. <laughs> Hate, no, never mind. Doesn't like him. Hates him. Hate, <laughs> hates him. Uh, Saskatchewan went down to San Diego, Tino, and I would say this was a statement game from the green machine as San Diego was sitting there, they're waiting, they're rested and at home and the rush just came out and took a tomb in that first quarter, shut them out. And they just kind of played a little bit better the entire game. I thought they just kind of wore on the San Diego seals here who started O-Rig. Frankie came into this game and you got to, I don't know, man. You got to think in San Diego, they're thinking to themselves, like, we have a championship roster here, but do we have the goaltending to win the championship? And I and I don't know if they do. I don't know if they don't, but I don't know if they know either. That's, I mean, I'm pretty sure they have a bye here in, in week 13. That is going to be the most compelling storyline for me going into their next game is who gets the start. If they, like, I kind of wonder now, like, is, is O-Rig's leash that short where now they're going to give Frankie an opportunity to try to make a run here? Or do they like what they've seen enough from Origlieri to say, all right, let's see how you, how you bounce back from this. So 
yeah, that's the biggest storyline. And what do you I mean, do? The, what do you do? I think I would go back to Chris Riglieri. Yeah. And I think the amount of confidence that you can instill in him by saying, hey, we know that game isn't you. We know that's an off night for you. Go and prove it to us now by going and playing a stronger game now in, in, in our next showing. And I think if he can, if they give him that opportunity and he can step up, I think the, the, the confidence from both sides, from O'Rig towards his team and towards his own game and from the coaching staff and the team to Origlieri, I think that is, it could, could be massive. So, I mean, it's, it's all in his hands, assuming he gets the start. We'll see, but I mean, maybe they've, I don't know, maybe they got a little scared off and, and maybe they do want to go back to Shiliano. I guess we'll, we'll see here. I th- I think, I think again, that they're probably going to go back to Origlieri and, and like you said, maybe have a short leash on it and who knows what, what the future holds there in San Diego, but uh pretty, Pretty impressive win here from Saskatchewan. You know, it's not easy to to go down there to San Diego and, and to come away with a win at Pachanga. Crazy things happen at that arena. And uh, I think they they really had that last meeting on their mind where they had the big lead, let it slip, lose in overtime, and they came out pretty determined in that game. And it showed, and the West is going to just be absolutely bonkers coming down the stretch here because – you know, you you figured San Diego was going to be in the mix. It looked like the end of the year last year, Saskatchewan was was on the uptick. Calgary, yeah, they they lost Curtis Dixon, but that's a really good lacrosse team that just won a championship a few years ago, and they're getting better and better with every game. Colorado is absolutely mutilated injury wise right now, but. I think they're going to be okay at the end of the day. They kind of need to tread water until bodies start to come back in their lineup. But the one team that nobody's really talking about right now is Panther City. And oh, yeah. they they got they got something cooking down there in Fort Worth. We'll talk about it in a second here. I don't know how much time we need to spend on this one, Tino. Toronto played the rematch against Georgia, who are still winless and I guess are the front runners right now for the first overall pick, which uh, John Arlotta may just covet for for all we know. Uh, but this, you know, Toronto team just <laughs> they're really good. You know, hot take right there. Toronto is really good. They beat Georgia sixteen to seven. Tom Schreiber and Corey Small both have nine points in this game, and it was never really close. If you're um... If you're Georgia here with the trade deadline approaching, are you like, would you consider yourself a seller here? If you're Georgia, are, are you, are, are you trying to see if you can offload some of your key pieces One to just million percent? I am. So then, okay. Assuming that that's the case, then what are you selling? Shane Jackson for sure. And maybe a Brian Cole. Like I, you know, guys like Jordan McIntosh aren't going anywhere. Bomberry's not going anywhere. I think the haul, the return you could get for Lyle would be absolutely astonishing. But I don't think Lyle's going anywhere. 
But there are some pieces. Um, you know, Wiedemann might be another guy. You could you could see what the interest level is like on. There, there's some pieces there in Georgia that they could get some return for. But whether he does or he doesn't, I don't know. Like, I mean, they're winless with those guys. So, you know, are they are they going for, for Dyson here? They're on their way. You know, Vancouver just one win ahead of them. But, like, I, I just don't – like, I feel like Georgia has just had a horrendous schedule to start. And there's some wins in front of that team as the season moves along right now. They're not as bad as their record shows, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what everybody's been saying is like, they're, they're not as bad as their record shows. They're going to get their win eventually here or their wins eventually here. And maybe, I don't know, like maybe that's not in their best interest. Like you, you can never tell players to go in and throw a game and like, no, no athlete is ever going to no, throw a game, absolutely obviously, not. but I just wonder if from behind the scenes, now their focus is, is on the draft, which means their focus has to be on what, assets do we have here that that we can sell off and, and get a decent return here whether like i mean who's who's to say if they're gonna get the first overall pick or not like it is at this point between them and vancouver um i i don't know we'll see like I, i'm just looking down the list here uh in terms of georgia i wonder if they if they look to move like a guy like a mike manley i know they just brought him in this season but he's a big athletic guy he's not going to put up a ton of points but he's like a stay-at-home d guy that's big and strong i wonder if he could go to a contender looking to shore up their back end yeah uh, i don't know they they, they, they got to move something though yeah they do you know maybe a different venue for for lanchbury who's been underwhelming i would say tino in his his rookie year like i think there's some untapped potential there in, in ryan lanchbury that that we haven't seen maybe he needs a, a different spot to to kind of get his game going i don't know Questions will be answered in Georgia here in the coming weeks. The trade deadline, uh, what are we talking here? About a month away. So buckle up for that. Uh, And the reason that it's kind of come to Vancouver and Georgia is that the Vegas Desert Dogs have picked up another victory. Told you I wasn't picking Albany here, Tino, and I didn't. I picked Vegas, and they do me right here. 12-10 over the Firewolves, and... Big third quarter for Albany, big fourth quarter for Vegas, and that was that was the difference in this one. Um, you know, the captain leading the way here for Vegas, and listen, like I coming into this year with everything that happened to that Albany offense, you had to believe that there was going to be some pain there, and now I think we're kind of starting to see it happen. Like they can only hang as far as Dougie will kind of take this team right now because they just don't have the firepower yet like they got a boatload of draft picks right now and and some guys that'll come into that lineup next year but they just don't have it right now and I think that the scores are going to start to be reflective of that yeah and again like it's it's tough that they don't have Nardella because that that changes so much about That's this huge. team. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm a. I'm. I'm just gonna say what I. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not as many people as as what I think are are thinking it. I had no interest in watching this game. Well, really. <laughs> really. When I saw it on the schedule, this was the one where I decided I'm gonna take a break 
and like i'm gonna go maybe get myself some food or whatever they're like all credit to vegas in this game like another comeback victory for them where like a late stretch here but just two teams that you know like you mentioned it albany is is a struggling team right now they they just can't quite get it together there may be a team that's looking more towards the future with their draft picks coming up and vegas is a team that's still looking for their identity yeah, I, don't I mean, know. let's that... let's let's also be real here, not to be all negative, because you know somebody had to win and somebody had to lose, and Vegas got the job done, and they did it on the road, which is also impressive. But their three wins are, are against the Albany Firewolves, the Vancouver Warriors, and and a Colorado team that played the night before and had to travel to Vegas and and did it while they were pretty dinged up as well. Again, I'm not taking it like you You got to play who's in front of you and wins are never easy thing in the National Cross League. I'm just providing some context here on the rose colored glasses a little bit. I don't want people to get their expectations too high in Vegas because there's tougher days to come for the Desert Dogs. That's all I'm saying. And if there's one thing as well that like Vegas fans or or lacrosse fans in general in general or Vegas personnel should be excited about Landon Kells has looked better and better yep. as with, with each passing game, since this has officially become his crease, I thought, or I have thought that with each passing game, there's been something more impressive about what, about what he's been doing. And I thought, I mean, another 42 saves in this game, like that's nothing to scoff at by no, any the means. The kid can play. The kid can play. hundred percent. Yeah. So, and, yeah, I, and I'm to... pretty sure he's classified as a rookie as well, because like, I think he played like 10 minutes across like four games last year. So I don't know what the threshold is on, on how all that works, but you would hope that Landon Kells is in, in the rookie of the year conversation, because I think he's deserved to be after, you know, we hit the midway mark of the season here, Buffalo, Philadelphia, uh, going down from just a packed key bank center in Buffalo, New York, down, downtown, hang on, <laughs> downtown Buffalo. I, I don't have my girlfriend on right now. It's <laughs> unbelievable. He's so good. Downtown Buffalo. Uh, Bandits, 15K there at Key Bank. And this was pretty dicey here as Philly explodes for six in the first quarter. And I thought Buffalo was in trouble here. And then their body started dropping as well. Like oh. Robinson goes down. McKay goes down. Who else went down? Somebody Nanticoke Nan- went down. Nanticoke went down. And there was being jokes were being made on the bench that that number 11 in black and orange might have to just pull on the pads uh, one more time there in downtown Buffalo and and get back out on the turf for the bandits because they just were so thin on offense. But some guys really stepped up in this game, Tino, and I would say Brad McCulley was one of them. You get your 10 points out of Dean Smith, who is just on another level right now. And records are going to be broken. Just let me say that from Dean Smith this year. If he if he, if he keeps this going, look out. Um, but what can he say? Four and four out of uh, Brad McCulley for the Buffalo Bandits. And they squeak one out in overtime. Unfortunately... The over-under in this game, Tino, 25 and a half. 
Or no, it was 24 and a half, and it goes 25. That was the one under game we had. Uh, goes to overtime. Dean Smith, your hero in OT. Zach Higgins did everything in his power. Pretty good performance here from Philly. Just kind of ran out of steam, it looked like, a little bit. Uh, Mitch Jones looking ever so comfortable in a Wings uniform here. What are your takeaways from this Bandits-Wings game? I thought this was an incredibly gutsy effort. for Well, honestly, from both teams. Uh, I thought this was, was an incredibly gutsy effort from Philly in the sense that when you look at the opportunity they have in the East right now with Halifax s- struggling a little bit. That's what it's going to come down to, right? Philly and Halifax. 100% it is. Yeah. And they see that opportunity in front of them. And this is the effort they go and put out. And it was un- like, this was, this was a phenomenal game. This is one of the best games of the weekend. I thought, if not the best game of the yep, weekend, I agree. Um, and, and to do it in like the hostile environment that is Buffalo as well. Like they were silencing the crowd nonstop. I completely agree with you. I thought Mitch Jones looked incredible. His eight points, Trevor Baptiste dominated the face-off circle against Adler. I also thought this was an incredibly gutsy effort from the bandits with, like you mentioned, the amount of guys that were dropping. And, um, I mean, like you said, shout out to McCulley for stepping up. I, not only, I, well, I think you said he put up eight points. I know he had four goals. It, it wasn't just the fact that he was finding the back of the net. It was the timing of these goals yeah, that he's scoring. He got them started in the first quarter, got them their lead back in the first quarter. He just, the timing of his goals throughout the game were, were really impressive. Um, it really sucked to see Ian McKay go down, not only because you don't want to see a guy get hurt, but also he was playing so good, man, unbelievable. And he is especially in this game. I mean, to the team, everybody knows how important he is to this team, but in this game, especially man, he was, he was Buffalo's spark plug. Whenever they needed something, he was the one scoring the goal, grabbing a loose ball, getting another reset, whatever it may be. Ian McKay was doing it not to mention he was staying and playing some dish a couple yeah. shifts like everybody knows right now he's playing oh with with burn down with his injury but well I mean you think about all the guys missing out of that lineup with Kluche and then they lose fields and expansion and no burn and like I don't Ian McKay on 60 70 percent of other teams in this league is playing offense he Ian McKay told me when I, I had my chat with him on, on NLL flash a couple of weeks ago, he told me that he made it one of his goals before the season. He wanted to beat out Steve Priolo for loose balls this season. That was one of his personal goals. Yeah. And uh, I haven't taken a look at, w- at what the numbers is, what the numbers are at the time of that interview, they were one and two, like they were the two guys that were battling it out. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know if you can look that up. For I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah, but I, I wonder if as part of those goals, uh, it'd be interesting to ask him now, like, did you foresee yourself putting up like personal best offensive numbers here? Probably not because I would imagine in Buffalo's best case scenario, he is playing out the D gate and then just going and playing a transition role as well. They probably didn't envision him playing a full-time offensive role at some point during the season, but that's how the cards fall. You just got to play them. I I would almost argue. I mean, so I got it here. Seventy four for pre, seventy one for McKay right now. Just unreal, 
uh, it, it's it's so hard to say that any player on this Buffalo team is more important than like Dane Smith or Josh Byrne or or Matt Vince or even Steve Priolo. But man, Ian McKay is in that conversation with this team. Like maybe, t- maybe five top guy. three. Five tool guy, man. And he'll drop him too. Like I've seen. Unreal. Uh, catamounts. Go catamounts. Uh, two more games to go here, Tina. Let's get to them. Fort Worth, Texas, Panther City. We're talking in uh, Johnny Donville coming up, so we don't want to spend too much time on it here, Tino, but impressive win here. We saw the injury report come out. McLaughlin was questionable. Robinson was questionable. They end up both playing. Dutch was out. And you just knew these guys were banged up. Well, at least I did, Tino. I, I think you might have gone the other way on this one. But Panther City at home comes up with, with the big win. Uh, by the way, Ty Thompson is not the fourth Thompson brother. <laughs> that's, that's not. Oh, Ty boy. 13-7, um, uh, Panther City, man. This is pretty convincing. Tell you what, the more, like, Donville in this game had 14 shots, and you, you kind of, like, kind of go, ooh, 14, like, and then I scroll down, well, if Donville's taking 14, how many has Callum Crawford had? Well, he had 12. So, like, it's working there in Panther City with that, you know, Dodds and Donville, the youngsters, and the veteran Crawford. Throw in uh, Uncle Phil there, who kind of took Jordan Gillis to the woodshed a little bit uh, near the end of that game and, and smacked him around. And Gilly was, was hanging in there, but he kind of missed on a couple, got himself off balance, and, and Caputo uh, looks like he that's not the first time that he's been involved in an, in an altercation but from tip to tail here, Panther City looking pretty good. And I, and I tell you, the more I watch this Nick Daymood, the more I believe in this goaltender, man. He is solid. Like, he does not let in shitty goals. You know what I, you know what I keep thinking the more I watch this Panther City team? Also, I want to just pat myself on the back because a couple of weeks ago I said Panther City could be a good sleeper pick. So uh, I will. And then you turned around and took Colorado. And then I freaking flipped my – you know what I was thinking when I flipped the pick? <laughs> Uh, it me. got in my head. It got in my head that uh, Dylan Ward has a great bounce back game when when he's had a poor performance. Mm. So <laughs> I had Panther City, and then that came into my head, and I was like, "No, you know what? Colorado's going to have an unreal night here. C Rob's going to fire. Williams is going to fire, and Dylan Ward is going to be a brick wall." But full credit to Panther City, man. Like the more that I watch this team the more they remind me of the way that Calgary plays as well with how grindy they are and how quick they are on offense and the amount of second chance opportunities they get on uh, in the ozone and, and how their, their defense just looks so miserable to play against. And you mentioned Nick Damood as well, having himself an unreal season. And, and again, like we said with Landon Kells, Damood has just looked better and better with each passing game. And as much, I mean, the rough stuff towards the end of the game. I actually like the response there from Panther city because you can clearly see a Colorado team that is frustrated. So frustrated. And some of these guys are trying to wake up their team and say, Hey guys, you know, the, we're the, we're the defending champs. This is unacceptable. We're not going to get pushed around like yeah. this. And Panther city steps up 
I mean, you see Matthew Gauthier was in there mixing it up with, uh, with Robert Hope. Yeah. Like free was, yeah. Running. Uh, I love that response from Panther city. And that tells me that this is a team that is fully bought in with this coaching staff. Yeah. They just got to figure out a way to get some fans in the building there, man. Yeah. And it, it's tough. Like, you know, it's the elephant in the room. Nobody really wants to talk about it, whatever, but it is glaring. And I think partly it's like the seat color in there is just so apparent that there's nobody sitting in the seat because of the color a little bit but man such a fun entertaining team to watch play they gotta figure out a way to get Fort Worth on board with that team they just got that's a beautiful building there in Fort Worth like state of the art they just have to get inside the doors and watch that team and they're coming back they just got to get them in there uh, one more game to go here and first taste of Sunday lacrosse in the NLL. Took 12 weeks. Too happy about that. But, uh, man, was I happy to wake up to Sunday lacrosse from the Maritimes. Uh, Halifax hosting the New York Riptide. We talked a lot about Jeff Teat last week. Holy cow, does he make <laughs> scoring goals look easy, man. Another sock trick. As Teat becomes the fourth player in NLL history to have two sock tricks in the same season. Book it right now, Tino Farah. He's getting number three, and it could come as early as Saturday. He is going to stand alone in that category before the year is done. Where's, uh, everybody watching right now, Like, I hope everyone's aware that we're watching a generational talent here. So every game that we watch this guy, like just don't take it for granted because there's going to come a time where, you know, we're talking about his, his record books towards the end of his career. And coming stuff. to Vancouver. End he is coming year. to Vancouver. And uh, I hope that, I mean, obviously the, uh, the Warriors are going to want uh, people to come into the building to watch them ideally get a win. But man, if <laughs> you, this no, is a guy worth the price of admission, hundred yeah. percent Um, with the game, like with this game specifically, I thought as we like going into halftime, I thought that New York was going to sneak out a win here. There was just something about, I don't know. Maybe it's just these right early there, games right there. There was a point though, when, I, when it, the, the switch flicked in my head and I was like, Oh no, Halifax is winning this. And it's when, so Randy Stotts, second goal of the game <sighs> sicko, was the goal. Unreal. <laughs> Um, but that was the goal that took Steve Orleman out of the game. Oh, no, was it okay? That was, and then his brother came in, yeah. And, and man, oh man, how much bad luck can one guy have? Like, it, oh, brutal. I don't know what what happened there. And you wonder, did he try and come back too early and re aggravate something? But it was so weird. Like, I just kept going, like, is that Dave's tear his abdomen or something? Like, it was. He tried to reach up and was kind of stretched out in a weird way and then just didn't get up. Yeah. And, and obviously like best wishes to Kevin Orleman because that, uh, it didn't look great. It looked like, so, and it was so weird too, because I remember like my jaw dropped on the save that he made yeah. that, that, that ended up injuring him because I was just thinking like, Oh my God, he gets his hand up there. Like what an incredible save. And then he stays down, and now like your the opinion kind of changes a little bit because you're like, oh man, like so they've brutal gone, way yeah. to go out. So but, they've gone out and signed Cam Dunkerley, by the way, and a lot of people were clamoring for that uh, for quite some time, you know, especially in the East with him being an Eastern kid. Like, I think that that guy 
has a future in this league. He just needs a shot, and it looks like he's going to get one here in New York. Yeah, but back to back to the original point. So uh, Randy Stott scores his second goal of the game. It takes Orleman out. Um, and then Kevin Orleman comes in, is looking pretty good, I thought. Like, I thought he was he was standing in there really well. Um, and then the injury happens, and he has to come out. Steve Orleman comes back in. Randy Stotts is the one that scores. He scores a third goal of the game. It's the first one that Steve Orleman lets in. And it, I mean, it was, it wasn't a great goal. It, it was one that, that Orleman probably wants to have back. But to me, my thinking was Orleman got scored on by Stotts to get taken out of the game. One of the first shots that he sees next is Randy Stotts again. And it goes in and a goal that he probably wants back at that point. In my head, I was like, oh, Halifax is winning this game. They're, they're in the head of Steve Orleman. It's kind of over now. It's funny. It was kind of a classic Ryan Benesh game. Like, I was thinking to myself, like, ah, oh, Ben, you know, some nights Benny just doesn't look all that interested in in working hard. I'll just say that. And it kind of looked like, oh, okay, it's one of those. And then at the end of the night, the guy's got seven points. The guy... <laughs> I don't know how he does it. It's unbelievable, really. Uh, so Halifax squeaks one out against the Riptide, and what was a real important victory for those guys? That That's a game that Halifax, if it wants to stay in the conversation, needed to win, and they get it done by one. Again, one goal. These bookmakers at Cool Bet, like I, I kind of went back <laughs> and looked – you know, because we lost the parlay by one goal in all three games. So I kind of went and I looked at all the over-unders and and where the scores finished. They were literally off on one goal on every game except one, I think. It's, it's unbelievable. Pretty good at their job then, I guess, hey? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, we should also mention our week 12 who you got winner, uh, big fan of the program, listens all the time, and had himself a week, did Brad Taschuk. Hope I'm saying that right. Taschuk. Brad Taschuk is your winner of week 12 as, uh, where am I looking here, Tino? I got to get the standings up. He went perfect and I think was the only man to do it. No tiebreaker this week. Brad is your outright winner and uh, already has submitted his horse noise, as has the counselor, Brent Robinson. So you know what that means, Tano. Saddle up, buckaroo. We're heading for the Stampede Stables. Nay, nay, nay. 
That might have been full credit to me. That might have been my best. It was one close. Yet. It was definitely close. It's, <laughs> it just, you just sound like wounded. Like you need to be put down at the end of that. Like kill me. Just kill, put me out of my misery, me. man. Uh, so there you heard it. I now I've gotten to the point here on on the stallion horse drop, Tino, that I've had to like start thinning it out a little bit and and kind of going with with the best one. So I. Apologize, but like winners of who you got are required to submit a noise, so it could end up at the end of it that it's just all the winners from the season is is going to make up the <laughs> the horse noise. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Stampede Stallions of the Week brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course, the largest dealer in Canada when it comes to Wrangler. Is Stampede Tack and Western Wear boots, jeans, shirts, hats, belts, Wrangler, anything Wrangler, stampede.ca, corner of Highway 10 and 180th, out there in the clover of Dale. They've been there since 1966. Get online where it's still shopping local at stampede.ca. Get yourself some Wrangler. Tina. You got to go first. This is how it works. Your Stampede Stallion of the Week, please. I'm just for the record here. I'm currently like in in real time here. I'm deciding between two guys on the same team. Real. So I might I might just pick one and then give an honorable mention um, because they're two good stories. All right. Just, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to go with this one because I'm afraid of of patches. Oh. Uh, yeah, giving me shit for not liking my pick. So I'm going to go with Adam Charlambides of the Warriors okay. in a losing effort. Oh. Um, for, you know, like a lot of the reasons I talked about him already, but you look at the stat line here, four points, three goals, but I mean, a cause turnover in there as well, 14 loose balls for him. And, and it was brought up a handful of weeks ago. I think, uh, I forget what week it was that he was a healthy scratch, but one of the things that the coaching staff was kind of putting on his plate was, Hey man, we need you to crash and bang a little bit. We need you to get to the middle and that includes getting some loose balls. So we've kind of seen a response since then. And in this situation now where there's no more Jones, Shus is out for the year. Charlotte Beatties is the guy for the lefties. You kind of, you have a big role to fill here. Now you have big shoes to fill. So I really like seeing on the stat line here. I mean, Bowering has 21 loose balls. The next guy in line is Charlene Beatties with 14. I really like that. And just for the record as well, the guy that I was going to give an honorable mention to was Aaron Bold, just because I was really happy to see him back in a crease. I thought that obviously there's a little bit of rust there, um, but I actually thought that he played pretty well, all things considered. And we got to see a Vancouver team, like what they look like when they see a goaltender making yeah. a lot of saves in situations where they maybe haven't been getting some saves yet this year. Patches certainly would have gave it, gave you the gears on, on the bold pick. Charlotte Beatties, I think he might actually let you slide on. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Speaking of lefties, my stampede stallion of the week is going out to one Bradley McCulley of the Buffalo bandits because Without him, they do not beat the Philadelphia Wings. And like you said, you know, four and four, eight points, his best game as a pro. But it was the timing of his goals in stallion-like fashion, uh, scoring when it mattered the most. 
and did a little more than that as well. And man, oh man, does he start, he's really starting to look comfortable in the National Cross League. And I'll tell you this, what do you think of this, Tino? Brad McCulley and Chase Fraser for Adam Charlambides and Kyle Killen. Whoa. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. Do you make um, that deal? I don't know. Whoa, that's so tough. It's it, That's hard to say when, like, we don't know what the status is with Kluche and with and with Burns, so maybe they lose room for McCulley. But coming back, well, they're getting the lefty back. Yeah, they're getting the lefty back. Yeah, getting the lefty back. Fraser not in the lineup right now, just sitting there. Both those Uh, guys from the west coast of BC: McCulley from Victoria, Fraser from Delta, Killen originally from Peterborough. Charlotte Beatties is, uh, I want to say, he's like a Oakville guy, maybe Ontario. That's for sure. I don't. My only thought there is I. I think that cut that a trade like that would depend on the outcome of the postseason for Buffalo this year, because I, I wonder if management here is saying, um, I mean, they've been to the finals the last two, the last two seasons in a row. Um, I wonder if they're saying, all right, guys, like it's time to step up here, like with this crew that we believe in. But if you, if it doesn't happen this time, then we're, we might look to bring in some new faces. I got Robinson, Burn, Kluche. Like, I just think there's room there. And, like, is McCulley playing when all the bodies are healthy in Buffalo? I think he is, but maybe not on offense. So, yeah. Uh, I, I do agree, though, that, that Vancouver needs to find a way to get Chase Fraser out of there. They, they should be trying to do everything in their power to make that happen. I, you know, I would be considering draft picks and players and and all sorts of things to to get Chase Fraser out of Buffalo right now. If I'm Vancouver, and and you know, who knows? Maybe Buffalo knows that right, and what they're offering to Vancouver right now is is maybe a bit laughable, and that's why it hasn't happened. And maybe the off season changes that. We'll see. But like to just have a player sitting and and doing nothing. Like it's not good for the player. It's not good for the team. It's not good for the league. It's not good for the fans. Like. It, Chase Fraser needs to be in the league. That's that's where I'm going with all that. But I get it. It's a business, so you got to do what's what's best for everybody involved. And Chase is doing that, and so are the Buffalo Bandits. Santino, that was an absolute monster of a first quarter here on Lax Class 223. So let's take us a little break. You're going to take a long one as you're disappearing for the Donville interview. But you'll be back in quarter number three. But coming up next, it's producer Donnie of Panther City Lacrosse Club on Lax Class. You're in the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Kyle Buchanan, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. As we move into quarter number two here on Lax Class 223 and second quarter action, always brought to you by the good folks at Rycor Construction. Rycor, they make it stand out. You can check them out at Instagram and Facebook at Rycor Construction Inc. INC or the website www.rycorconstruction.ca. Businesses, residential, interior, exterior, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks. They do it all, and uh, they got a ton of experience, and they provide a quality craftsmanship and an exceptional client experience. 
Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. This guy right here has been standing out on the lacrosse floor, including a big win over the Colorado Mammoth on Saturday night down there in Fort Worth, Texas. He stands in fifth in NLL League scoring, the former number one overall pick for Panther City. Back on Lax Class, it's producer Donnie has... You know, the, the producer Donnie thing, Jonathan, kind of came up when you when you joined the boys at the back of the bird and started producing the podcast. But I think it works pretty nicely now as well as you're producing points in the National Lacrosse League. So this is kind of like the double entendre here. Producer Donnie, Johnny Donville, back on Lax Glass. How's it going, man? Welcome back. Yeah, good. It's, uh, you know, I think this is my first time, other than obviously, uh, the sh- you know, back of the bird, first time being on a show twice. So it's... Uh... It's good to be back on. Your first time wasn't uh, wasn't that long ago in years, but it feels like uh, well, it was. Know, it well, like I was, a, a I was time ago. I was talking about that off the top. Like uh, we were still back on Lax All Stars back then. You were just coming mm-hmm. off a Minto Cup victory with the Orangeville Northmen. So uh, I want to say what, like 2019? Is that right? Yeah, it would have been right at the end of the summer of uh, 2019. Right, kind of a uh, couple months before before the pandemic there. So. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's good. Good times. That's a long time. And if I'm not mistaken, you went up against uh, who was now your teammate and Patrick Dodds in that tournament. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a great experience. And uh, you know, Dodsy was uh, just young then, and and I got to uh, see him play in this year's Minto too. So that's right. Uh, obviously, an incredible player, and we were just kind of getting glimpses of it, of it back then, and and now people have kind of seen. Uh, you know, I think he's still, you know, obviously uh, getting better. He's still young, but you know, people can have seen how, how incredible a player he is. Yeah, and you don't really strike me as the top type of guy to be talking junk to your teammate about uh, <laughs> getting a ring over him at, at the Minto either. No, no, it was uh, it was funny. Well, it's funny this year. I, I obviously called the Minto, and uh, it was funny, like, making comments about Dodgy, and, you know, he had already put up 84 points last year, I think, and, you know, should have been stuffing me in a locker for uh, – you know, making me pay the rookie fines and that kind of thing. So that was kind of a funny, uh, funny experience there. Yeah. I mean, well, since you, you mentioned it, calling the Minto and it'll be played in, in Edmonton this coming summer. And I'm hoping to, to get there to, to call that one. And, and you and, and the crew there did a, a fantastic job at that Minto cup, Jonathan. And, and man, I thought the broadcast really kind of enhanced what was, has to be considered, I think, like I've seen a lot of Minto Cups over my years, but I think as far as a four-team Minto Cup goes, that was about as good as it gets. Like all four, you really didn't know coming into that tournament or even as it moved along who were going to be the two teams to emerge or who was going to be the eventual champion even. Yeah, I think we got really lucky in that sense too from a broadcast uh, crew uh, perspective is – you know, we, we got a, some great games to call. And as you know, that makes, uh, you know, a world of difference there. So, yeah, four really good teams. I think it's, you know, it's cool seeing guys, uh, you know, playing for, you know, top players who didn't grow up in those markets, playing for non-traditional, you know, powerhouses, kind of like beaches, getting, you know, dominant players in uh, was cool. And just seeing kind of the parity spread out across the league and seeing some teams you don't always see in there was cool. And then, yeah, it was just a really great tournament. Some really fun teams that um, – you know, obviously that Edmonton team was was a ton of fun, and that Victoria team was really good too, and fun to watch. And Beaches was a great story, and then then obviously Whippy was uh, was pretty dominant in the end. But 
is uh yeah it was, it was a really cool experience <laughs> that's the crazy part i kind of felt like victoria might have been the best team there they <laughs> were they were the team that didn't get through as we speak with jonathan donville here and there's a ton of things i want to talk to you about uh first and foremost do you prefer john jonathan i you know you got the donnie thing going what what's the preferred handle for jonathan donville I like John for the most part. My my family calls me John, but uh, lacrosse circles I get Donnie pretty good, so I, I don't mind John or Donnie. It's uh John or Donnie. It's uh yeah, it's all good. I I like to tell the when when I started dating my girlfriend at Cornell, my best friend at Cornell, John Piatelli, is now in Albany, right? And so I got I got Donnie all the time. So I had to uh, eventually I had to tell uh, my girlfriend to everyone else could call me Donnie, but <laughs> she had to call me John. So, uh, but everyone else from school called me Donnie and. Uh, my boy Piatelli got to keep uh, his first name. Fair enough. Um, back of the bird. Let's talk a little bird gang here. Uh, you know, when when this first cranked up and, and Lomi and, and, and Polly had it going, I thought, you know, okay, this is good. This like our sport needs this type of thing. Players with a voice and, and you know, having some fun. and But, you know, like doing lax class here for i think the better part of four years or something now i've seen a lot of podcasts kind of come and a lot of podcasts kind of go and consistency is really the key when when it comes to it and, and the back of the bird has, has done a great job of that and you've been a big part of it um and and no signs of slowing down like this thing's getting bigger and better and and i know there's a long line of of guests uh waiting to hop on the bird um it looks like a lot of a fun to, to kind of be a little bit behind the scenes, but be included with, with those two who really have some great chemistry. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been great. And I think the consistency is really the thing that I'm most proud of. You know, we haven't, uh, we took a short break in August there. And then by other than that, you know, we, we haven't really missed uh, many weeks in there. And we just put out our 75th episode. Now I haven't been there for, for all of those 75. I've been there for about 60 of them now. So um, yeah, really proud of the stuff we've gotten to put out and, you know, one bucket is kind of the pride of that. And the other bucket is just, you know, it, it's really cool to to meet these guys, even though it's, you know, through Zoom, you know, talking to John Tavares and, and you know, some of the great, um, the greatest players to ever play our game and, and great characters of our game too. So talking to guys that I really respect and getting to know them. And, and I think, you know, the one thing that's been cool is seeing how much the game means to all these different guys and it impacts them in different ways. And, and, you know, it saves guys in different ways and, and guys have you know devoted their lives to it. And, and this is a game obviously that means a lot to the folks who are in it. And so just to hear those stories and, and hear these kind of legends of the game uh, and get to meet them has been, has been awesome. And, you know, really appreciate Dan and uh, and Paul bringing me in. Yeah. Well, we've had, uh, we've had Danny on, you've been on a couple of times. I haven't had shame on me. I haven't had Polly Dawson on, on the show yet. I got to get uh, the captain of the Rochester Nighthawk, but let's, you know, between me and you here, Donnie, like these guys, they're not cranking that thing out without you. They have no chance of getting that thing out to air without producer Donnie. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's a team effort. So everyone's, uh, everyone's got their parts. So, you know, their parts are, uh, their responsibilities are, are more creative in terms of, you know, figuring out what <laughs> the show's going to look savvy. like. Not tech Finding savvy. the guests. And then, you know, I, I kind of have to uh, to go and, and do the tech and kind of bang it out. But, you know, you get better at it. It gets, uh, it gets pretty smooth. And, and, you know, for those who don't know, I'm, I was in journalism school at Maryland. So, you know, the kind of the time was right. And I had access uh, to some good technology and stuff like that, some good software that made it easy. And, and I just was kind of ready at that time to take something else on and, and I'm glad I did at the time because um, it's a little stressful now, but I've learned to manage it. And I'm glad that when I when I had some time to kind of figure it out and and um, 
you know, be able to make a few mistakes or take some more time. I had it. So uh, it was, it was great. And uh, like I said, it's every week's kind of a balancing act, trying to figure out a time to, uh, to record, including this week. So yeah. Uh, We'll try to find a way to get it. <laughs> well, I hear you. I hear you. I was going to say, we always do. We usually do. Yeah. Uh, I told our guests a few weeks ago that I'm going to commit to having it out on Fridays. And I put Friday's episode out this morning, uh, which is, you know, almost exclusively my fault. So uh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, like you, like we mentioned, consistency is king. If you can find like a regular window to record, to crank it out each week. Uh, so you get the appointment stuff. And, and like you like you mentioned, went to, to school for, for journalism at Maryland. And this is something that you want to get into when, when the playing career is done many, many years from now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think trying to, uh, in the meantime, trying to just kind of work uh, both careers as much as I can and um, working for the, for the Panther City Lacrosse Club right now. And yeah, tell me, office. tell me about that. Donnie, I want to, what, what do you got going on? I see you crank out a few articles and kind of the, you know, what, what life is like as a pro athlete, uh, as far as lacrosse player goes and especially down in Fort Worth, but what do you, what exactly are you doing on a daily basis for PCLC? Yeah. So I'm working in the, uh, I work in the marketing office, uh, for Panthers Trail Lacrosse Club. And we also own the Dallas wings of the WNBA, uh, which, you know, a lot of fans probably aren't aware of. And our whole staff, uh, basically aside from the lacrosse operations and basketball operations, besides from the general managers, everyone's working on both. So in our uh, marketing department, we have video folks, uh, graphic designers, uh, in-game presentation folks, and they're doing everything for basketball and lacrosse. And the W has a, a summer schedule. So there's going to be a little bit of overlap in the spring. And then, and then that'll kind of go throughout the summer. So I, I'm kind of uh, on one hand being a helping hand to, uh, to all those folks doing as much as I can to, uh, to make their lives easier. So um, learning how to do a little bit of graphic design work, uh, helping out with some PR stuff. Nice. And then the idea came up from our PR guy, Andy, to do a uh, a rookie blog. So basically kind of give folks uh, maybe a peek behind uh, the curtain and and give some insight into to what a rookie year looks like. And, you know, obviously you got to be careful that, you know, I'm kind of balancing the, uh, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone in our locker room by any means or anyone else in the league. So I want to be careful of, uh, you know, kind of that balancing act. Uh, but I do love to write, and it's uh, and I uh, I'm grateful for the chance to to write and try to put pen to paper every week and and teach uh, not teach necessarily but but show people kind of what's uh, what's going on in our lives here in Fort Worth and and what's it like being a rookie. Oh, and it's certainly I would say for for a market that's new and still trying to engage a fan base down there in Fort Worth that that's something that they need. There's probably a lot of questions that that fan base has like you know i kind of feel that in vegas as well where people ask questions like oh how come that challenge wasn't allowed it was denied or you know is our team's only supposed to have one face-off guy sort of thing so there's there's little things that when you get into a new market that is maybe not super lacrosse savvy that people are going to have questions and they need people like you to to be able to answer them yeah. Yeah. No. And certainly I hope, uh, I hope I can help those people. And, you know, I think there's also a, a fair amount of our, you know, friends and family and, and uh, just audience members who are back in Canada too, who are in other uh, parts of, uh, you know, the uh, North America and, and America and want, want them to kind of follow us along too and really get a feel for what we're doing here. And, and so it's kind of the, it's for, for the folks in market and then, you know, the folks at home just want to give some insight and, and hopefully let people get to know me a little bit more too and, and kind of 
understand what's going through my head as this uh, this year goes on. Well, what is going through your head, man? From a from a kid from Ontario, you you make your way to Cornell, and then you make the shift to, to Maryland, and now you're living in Fort Worth, Texas, which I can't imagine is very similar to to living in Ontario and doing it as a rookie. What's it been like to to kind of immerse yourself into that culture in that city? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've we've been down here uh, about a month now. Um, so it's, you know, it's Fort Worth is, is awesome. And I uh, certainly encourage any NLL fan who's looking to maybe make a trip to come down here. First of all, our rink, uh, Dickie's arena is amazing. unreal. Eh? Yeah. That's it's, all I hear. Yeah. I'm... It's beautiful. You gotta, if you're a lacrosse fan, you gotta come down here. You gotta check it out. It's just, uh, it's awesome. And, and Fort Worth as a city is really cool. It's, you know, very Western feel, very, uh, you know, kind of, it's the real deal of Texas. You know, you see uh, a lot of cowboy hats and, and that kind of thing. And it's just a really fun, cool little town to uh, not little, it's a, you know, big city, but yeah. a, a cool town to check out. And you're right. It is very different from Ontario. And we got five of us Ontario guys living here. Who's all Ontario, hanging out. Who I, I was going to ask you who's living in Fort Worth besides yourself. Yeah. So it's me and Cam McLeod are roommates. And then uh, Nathan Grennan's with us too. And then Phil Caputo and Will Malcolm are across the, uh, you know, across the hall kind of thing. So gotcha. uh, it's been, uh, it's been great. It's uh you know, four Ontario guys plus Willie. And it's been, uh, it's been fun, especially uh, one kind of interesting thing about uh, Panther city is that the, our rink Dickies gets taken for the rodeo every January. Yeah. So our, our season is backloaded with home games. Cause we, we kind of have an extended road trip there. Yeah. So now uh, we're on the road this weekend, but for the next kind of few weeks coming up, we have uh, a bunch of home games in a row. So that's, that's nice to kind of bank those, especially when, uh, you know, we don't have to travel. How about Uncle Phil chucking knucks uh, at the, the end of the game? I don't know where your seat was for that little Tilly. Yeah, I was on the floor. Um, certainly wasn't helping anyone be, being on the floor, but uh, <laughs> I was out there nonetheless. So It's going to uh, come yeah. sooner or later, though, Donnie. You're going to have to answer the bell as a rookie at some point, you would think, maybe. Uh, you, are you up for that sort of thing if, if it comes around? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess you don't know until you know, but uh, – Closest one I had, I guess, was in the Minto, and funny my my now teammate Cole Pickup. I think it was his little brother. Yeah, and, you know, well, he's he not so face. little though. Yeah, he put my face in the in the turf pretty quick, so I kind of learned my lesson there to maybe watch my mouth. Well, let's uh, let's move it on to to the floor here at Panther City, man. And you know, for your rookie campaign, I I, I would say like you started out a little slow, but I think you're exceeding expectations from maybe what. TK and, and, and the gang had thought coming in. Um, how have you felt personally about your game at the midway mark here? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, that's kind of how I would put it too. I, I definitely came out of the gates a little slower than I wanted to. And, you know, credit, uh, not necessarily credit, but just really thankful to TK and, and Coach Goundry for just kind of sticking with me there. And we kind of didn't push any alarm bells. And, you know, it's, we were, we lost a couple of those games and I think if I had played better, you know, we would have had a better chance to win and, you know, they just never put any of that pressure on me. So that was really helpful. And then, you know, it's a combination of, of figuring out a few things, building a little bit of confidence, getting sure. a few bounces to go your way. It's uh, you know, it's never one thing, but it's uh, it's been nice to uh, more than anything, obviously just contribute to a couple of wins here. And, and obviously uh, you know, it's a loaded Western conference. So Man. these last, uh, these last eight games are going to be a dogfight. So I just want to try to keep contribute to, to winning lacrosse as much as I can. Have they like encouraged you? It looks like you're shooting more, John. Like, and, you know, I think you're up to 14 shots um, in in this past round. And have they encouraged you to, to shoot the ball more? Because it seems like you have. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think I was shooting a lot coming out of the gates. Uh, maybe scoring, encouraging me to score a little bit more now. But uh, yeah, no, it, it just encouraged me to to keep shooting. Um, you know, sometimes you get. I, I think the shot numbers are are a little tricky. It comes down to a lot of things, power plays especially. So just encourage me to keep shooting and stay aggressive. And and for me, it's a balancing act of of trying not to be uh, trying not to be obnoxious about it, but still uh, you know looking to stay get aggressive. Got to get yours. Got to get to the goal. Yeah, got to yeah. get yours. And you know, you're playing with uh, with a couple of young dynamic players. We talked a lot about Pat Dodds and and your leading scorer Will Malcolm, who has really just kind of burst onto the scene this year. But it really seemed to to kind of take the turn for the better when when Showtime came to town, and I and I think playing closer to home for him has has had a real good impact on him and his family, and and seemingly a real good impact on on the offense in Panther City. And sometimes when you bring in a, a guy like that, it can go two ways, right? And it and it seemingly has gone the right way. What? I mean, I think about that pass, uh, diving, the jump, and the fall, and the finding Crawford. Uh, you look like you got some chemistry with with Callum Crawford right off the get go, and it's getting stronger as the games go along. Yeah, certainly trying to build the chemistry as much as we can. I think uh, you know, I think Callum's a pretty easy guy to have chemistry with, and essentially you give him the ball, and he goes and makes a play and, and gets you a point. So that's uh, that's nice uh, sometimes. And you know, I think the uh, I think that's the the best thing that Callum gives us is. Um, you know, and aside obviously from the leadership and and kind of the lessons about being a pro and that kind of thing is just, you know, when there's a little bit of a lull, it seems like he kind of comes up with a play and, and keeps us going and keeps the momentum going for our offense. So it's been cool to watch. He's an incredible player. He's got he's got a bag of tricks, unlike you know, most guys out there. He's got some shots in the bag that that I've never seen before. And some of our guys like to joke around with him about it. And uh, you know, he just keeps scoring them. So uh, it's cool to see a, a really unique talent and, you know, he, he still got it. I think, uh, oh, man. you know, obviously getting up there in uh, years a little bit, but man, he's, he can still play. Well, it's funny when you came through Vancouver, you, you pulled off a spin move where you took your offhand off and you kind of, you know, sealed the guy. I call it the, the crowbar where you kind of just seal the guy off with your offhand arm. And, and what we see Callum do that a lot. And it almost looked like a carbon copy, like, something that you two had kind of worked on in practice, like try this and, and you tried it and it worked. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't anything explicit. Uh, just, you know, watching guys over the years, uh, Callum included, but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stuff he does. Uh, honestly, sometimes some, a lot of the, some of the stuff he does, I don't know if I could ever learn. So, you know, he, he's just a, uh, an incredibly talented player and, and a, you know, very creative player. And that's, uh, you know, if there's anything that I try to take from him, it's just that it's, you know, trying to find ways to score in all situations. And, and, you know, he's never out of a play. He always, uh, he always seems to find a way to get a good shot on. Maybe some style and, and fashion tips too. He's usually got the, the fresh kicks and the dyed head and all that yeah. sort of stuff going on. Too. I think you guys, you mentioned it on the broadcast in Vancouver, but he, he had a fresh dyed head the first week. So that was, uh, that was pretty impressive. Let's uh, shift it to the back end here quickly because the, the more I watch, you know, there's a lot of guys on that back end, and, and Medeiros, I think, might come to the top of the list who has impressed me so far here in, in 2023. But the real straw, I think, for that back end has got to be your goaltender, Nick Damood, who the more I watch this kid play, Donnie, like I, I, I become more of a believer in this guy. Like this guy, I think, can take you guys a long way between the pipes. 
Yeah, you know, he's been uh, he's been outstanding. I think he's probably been the story of our season in terms of, you know, he, he's just been awesome. And, you know, I wasn't here last year, but but everyone was talking in camp. He just looked like he was in great shape. And, and you know, clearly this, this means a lot to him as, as it does to the rest of the team. And, and uh, yeah, he, he's been awesome. And, you know, it's all the little things. He's, he's got great rebound control. He's got, uh, you know, good outlet outlets. It's just kind of buttoned up every part of his game. and Makes all the stops and, he needs to make, right? Like, you no know, stinkers yeah. get by him, it seems like. Yeah, so that, that just helps. Uh, you know, it just helps. Not, you don't kind of uh, have any deflating goals, and and he just kind of keeps the momentum of the game going for your team, and, and, and he's just been uh, he's been great. And on top of it, you know, like everyone else in our locker room, is just, a, you know, an awesome guy to be around, a great teammate, and, and just makes it fun uh, showing up to the rink every weekend. Last guy I kind of want to mention here. I, you know, we we know about the Hall of Famers and, and Steve Toll and, and Trace Gillespie. Those guys speak for themselves. But Kyle Goundry taking on a, a coaching role this year with the departure of Dan Teed. And, you know, I know Gowns quite well from, from living in the same area as him and, and actually playing against him a little bit when we were coming up. But uh, what kind of impact is, has Gowns had on – your playing time and and what kind of coach is he yeah you know for us he's just been a, a real calm voice and um you know i can be a bit of an overthinker myself so uh he, he's helped me uh just kind of chill out a little bit and and go play and, and focus on that and you know really uh something i'll be forever grateful for is just in those first couple of games when i really didn't think i was playing that well and you know for certainly wasn't shooting very well wasn't scoring very much um, you know, he really had my back and, and, you know, kind of reassured me that, that it, everything was going to be, uh, you know, going to be okay. And obviously I, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. I still have a long way to go, uh, and improvement, but, but just out of the gates to have my back there, really, uh, really appreciate that. And, and like I said, for, you know, I can be a little hard on myself, a little intense, and he's just really helped me, uh, stay positive. And, and I think that's something he's kind of translated to our whole offense is, you know, for the, the good plays are the bad plays. You just got to kind of keep going and, and try to keep the momentum going and the positive uh, positivity going as best you can. And, and I think it's helped us, uh, you know, kind of get better as the season's gone on. I got a loose mouse connection just in case you're in no I don't know what's going on there. No uh, a heck of a player too, Kyle Goundry back in his day, man. Man, what a stick on him. John, really appreciate your time here on Lax Class, man. Uh, I know you're a busy guy down there in Fort Worth. I want to wish you best of luck, uh, continued success with the back of the bird. Uh, best of luck against the Cal- Colorado Mammoth this weekend as well on their return home and home here. This is like a real important game for you guys coming up this weekend to try and get to over the Mammoth. That would really put you guys in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. You know, look at uh, anyone who looks at the Western Conference can see the same thing. It's a log jam and and there's going to be a really, really good team that's, uh, you know, not making the playoffs and, and everyone is just trying to do everything they can to, to make sure it's not them. And, and certainly uh, we're in the same boat. All right, man. Well, we'll all be watching. Good luck with PCLC. And, and thanks again for doing this. Yep. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. There he is. Jonathan Donville. Call him John. Call him Donnie. Just not Jonathan. He and Panther City will be playing the Colorado Mammoth this weekend as Panther City looking to go 2-0 and over the Woolies. Break time here on Lax Class. It's halftime, and then we move into the third quarter. Lax Class locks are coming up. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. 
with 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Reed Bowering. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box cross. Welcome back to Lax Class. As we move into third quarter action here on Lax Class 223, Jake Elliott, Santino Farah back with us. I uh, hope you enjoyed your pop punk podcast. So much free promo coming here. Yeah, check it out. I should probably listen to one of these. So selfish that you haven't. <laughs> I'm just not a big pop punk kind of guy, man. I don't know. Anyways, uh, third quarter action brought to you by our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com is where you can go to check out their fabulous website, which I was doing just the other day and came across this. Put a label on it. Like literally everything you see has some sort of label. And when it comes to labels, there's really nothing that they can't do. They have everything that you could imagine when, when it comes to the equipment, uh, full in-house pre-press, both digital and flexographic capabilities. I know you know a lot about that, Tino, flexographic. We have the technology and expertise and passion to create labels that meet your product needs and industry requirements, which is obviously super important. Uh, so check them out. Associated LP, as in labels and packages, .com is where you want to go for that. Uh, where you want to go to gamble on sports, and in particular the National Cross League, is coolbet.com. We do that a lot here in quarter number three as it's time for Lax Class Locks. Locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Locks, class, locks. We don't need to dwell on it any further, Tino. We came close, just a, a few goals away from... From winning, but I guess, you know, that's kind of what it's about here is, you know, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're not. But I guarantee you this, like the amount of times that we have won, the, 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 the rate that your bank account has exploded has far outweighed the little chips and losses that you've made over the course of time. Like you're still up here. So um, you're welcome for that, and we're going to try and put a little more money into your pocket. And I mentioned in quarter number one, the PLL, that other lacrosse league, I should say, Tino, is uh, is doing a little championship series. There won't be any NLLers playing in it, of course, so it'll be kind of interesting to keep maybe a half an eyeball on this. Um, so you're going to give a little PLL parlay, and I'll stick uh, in my wheelhouse here in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah, uh, short little run here. It's only like four days long, but uh, I don't know. Could be more lacrosse is, is yeah, never good a bad for thing. everyone. So never yeah, never a bad thing. I'm just looking at the the odds here for the winner of the whole thing, and I see the Chrome down there. They're they have them at plus three sixty. They're they're the worst odds to win. 
I don't know. I I I know that's probably like that's the biggest return. <laughs> You're going it's looking kind for of a, it. You're going. Looking it's kind for of it. a pick them here at this point. I mean, the you don't the know. Snakes, you don't know because there's no box lacrosse players in here. Like no chaos exactly at all, it. right? Like they're not even playing. And there's so many key contributors to each team that aren't there because they're playing in the NLL right now. Like obviously the Atlas don't have Baptiste. Um, I'm trying like. Jesse King hasn't played on the Chrome in a little no, while. No, he didn't so play last year. But Archer's play. like, they don't have like Tom Schreiber. They don't have Latrell Harris uh, I, with the Whip Snakes. Uh, I know like Kyle Burnlord just went down with injury. So he's out there. They're starting goaltender. So we'll see. But the Chrome's roster looks right. pretty intact. So you're, on the, you're, you're selling me on the Chrome here. What's the parlay? I'm putting a parlay together. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to pick them to win it. Though, oh, you're so just was... going one single bet Chrome to win the entire tournament. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going okay, with. Okay, well, if you want to take Tino's advice, lay a little money down on the Chrome, and who knows? You might win. You probably won't, uh, and you can blame Tino when you when you don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the official Lax Class parlay will go a little something like this. Uh, Colorado and Panther City are going to have the rematch this time at Ball Arena in Denver. And I think Colorado's going to be a little healthier. I think they're going to be a little hungrier. And they're coming into this game as the underdog on their home. The defended, the disrespect, you know, defending champions at home, underdogs to Panther City. Give me Colorado plus one and a half for a minus 143. Calgary Roughnecks are on an absolute heater, and I think this is a really good lacrosse team, and they might just show Vegas that. And I'm taking the Calgary Roughnecks minus one and a half for a minus 110. And then look at the total here. The over-under numbers are starting to creep up as it's, Getting a lot of overs in the National Lacrosse League this year so far. This is as high as I've seen it. 27 for the New York Riptide and Rochester Nighthawks. I'm going to bump it up another half goal here because you can do that on Cool Bet. 27 and a half is the total here for a minus 120. And uh, after Coolbet gets their juicy little pause on this parlay, you're going to be upwards of around a 120 return on a 20 jumbo buck bet here. And uh, like I said, bet the farm on this thing. It's coming home. Ch- kids education fund. Clear out the savings account. And uh, thank me when, when, when this sucker hits uh, over the weekend because I'm feeling good. Really good about this parlay right here, Tina. What do you think? Hey, if you're feeling good, I'm feeling good. So there you go. Uh, still waiting for that cool bet swag in, in the mail. <laughs> Gregoire, I know he was in Estonia for, I don't know what he, he was there for like a week or something, Pat Gregoire. Man of mystery. I don't know if they, they got the cool bet swag in Estonia or not. It's definitely not here in Coquitlam. Still waiting, Gregoire. And I'm going to keep calling you out until it shows up on my door. Anything to add there, Tina? You don't want um, you don't want piss patches off, do you? Pat catches so many strays he on this does. show. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and he's the guy that does up like you know the file folder pictures and the promo videos and everything for us, and uh, does it on his own dime too. So should probably lay off patches. <laughs> 
Supercross superstar, Pat Gregg. All right, quarter three is in the books. Quarter four is next here on EP223. Who you got is coming up next. Stay classified. This is Rob Williams, and you're listening to Life Class. Now it's time for Who You Got. Into the fourth quarter of action we go, which means no more breaks here on the podcast. Uh, fourth quarter means Mitch Jones's quarter. New sponsor on the podcast, Mitch Jones. You all know Jonesy on the lacrosse floor with the Philadelphia Wings now. Mitch Jones also taking care of business but in the Vancouver real estate market. If you're thinking about getting into the to the market, Mitch Jones, along with his team at Royal LePage Sterling, includes a full array of professionals. Mitch and his real estate team provide full-service brokerage to take care of any real estate questions, investing strategies, buying and selling, or just talk real estate. He's there for you. Uh, I know Mitch a long time. He works his tail off on the floor, and he does the same thing in the real estate market as well. Get a hold of him. Cell number. You ever want Mitch, Mitch Jones's cell number? I'll give it to you right now here, people. Get a pen. 604-916-6772. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter. The DMs are open for Jonesy. You know they are. Mitch Jones Real Estate, brand new sponsor here on the podcast. If you have a place to sell or you need a place to buy, Mitch Jones Real Estate is your guy. Time now, Tino, to play your favorite podcast game. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. You got. I, I'm gonna. You're gonna have to give me like the backup singing. You're gonna. You're gonna be like the who, 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 who guy. Should we should hit, hit a little harmony? Yeah. Huh? Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> time for Stampede Tax. Who you got? Uh, week thirteen is upon us. And Stampede Tech is on board here since day number one. Boots are their specialty at Stampede. Cowboy boots, work boots, riding boots, motorcycle boots. They got all the boots at Stampede Tech, including Blundstones, kids, women's, men's. All the sizes, all the styles, all the time. I... You see Dave Buchanan, big NASCAR guy, Daytona going down over uh, Buffalo sideline reporter Dave Buchanan. He thought I'd been saying Bloodstones the entire time. <laughs> Bloodstones. Look them up. They're from Australia. They got the Redbacks there, too, which are also from Australia. You can stampede.ca, Bloodstones Buchanan. Check them out. Get yourself a pair. Thank me later. Stampede Tack boots. All right, Tino. Who you got? Let's uh, have a look at this. Uh, yours truly jumped up uh, a full six spots into the top 90 I go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and I just blew your doors off in, in week number 12. So I am hosting 30 points I got. Where are you? You're like way 
Scrolling, scrolling, 26. scrolling. Oh, man, Tino, you're down there in like 61st place or something. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Uh, so I'm hosting this week, although you are just slightly ahead of me in the overall standing still. But that could change right here, right now, in week number 13. There are, how many games we got this week, Tino? We got one, two, three, four, five Big games here on week number 13 of the National Cross League. It gets going Friday. I like this. Two games Friday, three games Saturday. Nice little uh, space out for the most part here. And uh, you're going to be able to digest most of National Cross League action this weekend. Um, like I mentioned, the rematch going down in Denver, Panther City in Colorado, 6-4 and four, PCLC, 4-5. Four and five. Woolies. Tino, who you got? Last week, I picked Panther City, and then I changed my mind, and it absolutely screwed me. Mm. This week, I'm going with Panther City again, and I will not switch it this time. I don't care what injury news comes out about Colorado. <laughs> I am sticking with Panther City no matter what. Right. This is my four pick. Four, okay. It's also my four pick. I, last week, picked Colorado, then switched to Panther City. <laughs> I might do that again, but I'm probably not going to do that again. Right now, I got Colorado sticking with the Mammoth here for four. This game going down 7.30 Pacific time from Sin City. Roughnecks. I was actually supposed to be down in Vegas for this week. I was this When I was potentially hired by the Desert Dogs, this was the weekend that I was the most excited about to be in Vegas. Not only to, to call this game here between the Roughnecks and the Desert Dogs, but there's also a professional disc golf tour stop to kick Ooh. off the season in Vegas this weekend. And uh, really missing that one this weekend, Tino. But uh, I digress. Calgary in Vegas. Who you got? Calgary's rolling right now. I think they're going to roll into Vegas and grab themselves a confident win. Give me Calgary for an eight. Ooh, your eight game. I also got the Roughnecks, but uh, not quite as confident as you. Roughnecks for a six. You know I'm taking them. I had them on the parlay. Taking them in who you got as well. On to Saturday we go, February the 25th. Two and six, Albany. Into 0 and seven, Georgia. This is interesting here. I'm anxious and excited and maybe a little intrigued to see who you pick in this one, Tina. Who you got? Call me crazy, but I'm picking the Swarm, and it's my seven pick. <laughs> well, I don't think you're crazy because I'm also taking Georgia here because I'm sticking to my steadfast rule and not picking <laughs> Albany. And I think it's due. It's time for the Georgia Swarm to get in the win column. I'm taking. The Swarm, 4-5. Two more games to go. Two and seven, Riptide. Seven and two, Nighthawks. This one might be pretty straightforward for, for me, Tino. I don't know how you feel about it. Who you got? This is my six pick, and I am going with the Rochester Nighthawks. Seven pick for me. Nighthawks win this one, as far as I'm concerned. We'll see what the Riptide have to say about it. But uh, I'll take the Nighthawks for a seven, which means just one more game to go. It's the TSN game of the week. Uh, what's the flash game of the week, by the way? Uh, flash game of the week is New York versus Rochester. Okay. 
Uh, game of the week on TSN is Vancouver at Saskatchewan. Like I mentioned, what, Vancouver playing its 11th game already. They're well past the halfway mark here. Uh, Warriors and Rush, the team that Jimmy Quinlan hates. Rush, 5-3. and three. Tina, who you got? Quinlan's mullet is looking better and better oh, every game, by the way. Yeah, Just unreal. I but uh, I think this is going to be a tight one. These two teams uh, clearly don't like each other, but they play really tight games against each other. Still going to go rush. This is just my five pick, though. This is my eight game, and I'm taking Saskatchewan here. Rush Nation will be out in force. We're into February. That's when uh, they really start to crank it up there in the tune. And uh, I think the Rush are going to keep it rolling here, man. They they need to if they they want to keep pace with those San Diego Seals. And 7-3 and three Calgary? Are you kidding me? Rush got to win this game. Uh, so I'm taking them for an 8 which brings us just about to the end of the podcast. I hadn't mentioned this, Tino, so I got to do it now. Give us a follow on social media, Lacrosse Classified on Insta, at Lax Class on Twitter. You can stay up to date with the show and all that sort of fun stuff. The link to the uh, Who You Got pool is right there in the bio as well on Twitter. If you're late to the party, still want to join Who You Got, search up. Who you got with two T's and uh, get in on the fun, win some weekly prizes like Brad Taschuk just did. Jimmers is some kind of upset, you know. He keeps coming ever so close. I think he's going to actually do it one of these weeks. And let's not forget, Evan still never won a week either, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, is what it is. So do that. Uh, Lax Class on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page. We've got an email address, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. You can follow Santino at Ferratino. You can follow me at PXP for sports. And don't forget to subscribe and uh, five-star review and jot down a few words wherever you may be listening to this podcast as well. Big thank you to Jonathan Donville for stopping by the pod and to our fabulous sponsors, Stampede Tack, Rycor Construction, Mitch Jones Real Estate, Coolbeck Canada, and Associated Labels and Packaging. EP223 is done. We're back next week with 224 and every week after that. Thanks for listening to Lax Class. For Tina Fair, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the greater, stay safe, stay healthy and stay classified.